Welcome back to Blair and Barker. Stretch drive for a Friday. Nice khakis, too, by the way. You're wearing. I am wearing khakis. Thought you were going to slip that by me, didn't you? I'm just going to wear cargo shorts. DMs are open for Barker. Yeah, it is cold. DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits, by the way. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. I'll buy you that for Christmas. 416-870-0590, star 591 Stop it. 590-590 is the text line. We want to weigh in on our discussion. Who would, you, who would you like to see the Who would you like to see the Jays face in the first round? Doesn't matter to yeah, you. Yeah, who cares? And what are your concerns? They're what are your playoffs. worries? How much did the ticket cost? They backed into the playoffs. Oh, they did. Yeah, no, they were they texting didn't. back. I was and waiting forth. for somebody to say that. Should we celebrate? I was did waiting we celebrate? for somebody to say it backed into the. They didn't back into the playoffs. They didn't jump into it. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, you're in. It, That's it, it, all matters. The fine jumped in. You. Teams, you know what? Teams have won World Series. Jumping in means I got this. Teams have won World oh. Series going into the playoffs. Worry about yourself. Teams That's have jumping. won World Series going into the playoffs. Absolutely. By watching other teams get eliminated. They've been playing playoff games for two months. Well, not really. Like the last two weeks, maybe. It's hard to say that. If, if you say that someone's been playing Ever playoff since games. since the Orioles have been decent, they've been playing playoff games. Oh, let's not lie about it. <laughs> yeah, I think the only the only way you say that is if uh, is if a t- is if a team is within. Wasn't you know, the Orioles like a game behind the Blue five or six games? Not of too first long ago. Place. Anyhow, I don't think they've been playing playoff games. They certainly didn't approach the last two games of the Yankees. They, series they moved like around they the order. They fired games. their manager. Okay, you're right. <laughs> David Sampson is. Uh, See, you're lying. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal, the podcast. I mean, I just, well, I'm going to move on. I'm going to say you're right and I'm going to move on. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal, the Don't podcast. Uh, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, the podcast. I'll get it out eventually. He's also MLB analyst with CBS Sports uh, HQ. We're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. David, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to uh, Kevin and myself today. How much is. A home game, three home games worth to a franchise financially. In other words, let's assume that the Jays get home field advantage for this wild card series. Uh, is that worth a great deal for ownership? I would say a mediocre utility player. Okay, there you go. So That's Bradley Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks. Listen, I, <laughs> Three I games for Bradley segment, Zimmer. Way to go. Yay. <laughs> I can't let this segment move on without telling you that there is no way that the players view themselves as having played playoff games for the last two months. Thank no. you. That's not sustainable. It's just uh, huh. they don't really – you'd be surprised the players barely look at the standings during the course of the season. Maybe around September they start sort of paying attention just because we start talking about it more with them. But if you ask – 80% of the players on a random Tuesday in July, what the team record is, they will not know. How about a front office? Last two months. Uh, we start scoreboard watching in spring training, but mm. we tell the fans and you with the media that we don't do it at all. So we're lying <laughs> to you. <laughs> so, okay. So, so you be, see, I would think you'd make more than an, uh, I would too. That, that having home field for three games in the playoffs would, would, would make more, would make more money than, for for an owner than that um but i again i remember there's 
there's calculations, right? So okay. there's revenue sharing implications and there's sharing of playoff revenue that happens with uh, the rest of the league, with the, with the visiting team, uh, with the umpires, with the players association. So generally the rule of thumb uh, is that if you make it through the end of the World Series and there's a seven-game World Series, you can make an extra, let's say, $20 million. Uh, it, let's just round numbers mm-hmm. say that. Uh, but this is an extra round, so my guess is, and I haven't seen the payouts, but right. my guess is the payments for these early rounds are going to be way less uh, than the payments for the later rounds because this is an extra round early in the playoffs. So that's why I said sort of a utility player, but that's nothing to sneeze at, hachu, hachu, right? You're mm-hmm. looking for any sort of extra games. But if you ask a team or the Blue Jays front office why they want to host it's not a business reason. They want to host because they think it gives them the best chance to get through the wild card round and get to the division series. And not not going on the road, it's a big help. So you really do want to be the top wild card if you can. Do you think it's smart pitching Manoa, say, last game of the season, then saving him for first game of the playoff game series? It, it depend, and it, it will depend, and it does depend what they're playing for. If you're asking me would I pitch Manoa – the last game of the season, if we were in the playoffs and we had a chance, if we mm-hmm. won to host the three games, I am the answer. The answer mm-hmm. is I would, if we couldn't change our position and we're going to be on the road or we're going to be at home, then I would not pitch them. Hmm. Yeah. I, it's, it is, it, you know, it, talking to Dan Shulman about this, it is kind of, it, it, it I, I can see, I can, it's one of those arguments where I can really see both points. Like I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess one of the things that's kind of confused the issue here maybe a little, David, is the fact that, you know, when John Schneider looks at you and says, you know, we think there is a value also to having home field because, you know, look, this team, I mean, we spent two years basically not being able to play in front of full crowds. You know, everything we've gone through, uh, you know, when the Jays 2015, 2016, they really did they kind of re-implanted their brand across the country. Like, I think there might be there might be wider business implications for a franchise like the Jays, I, I, or, or maybe I'm maybe I'm guilty of being a being a romantic there. I, 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 I think know. you're a little romantic if you're talking about the first round of two out of three okay. series, right? If you have a chance to host the way the Astros are, getting it all the way through to the American League playoffs, that's some branding. That's some meaningful home field advantage. I think that the, what they were trying to do, what baseball was trying to do when they started this wild card round and they made it so there's no travel, they, they were trying to give incentives to win the top wild card, but really it was a logistics as much as anything. Mm. When you're playing three games in a row, what are you going to do? Go from a home game to a road game to a home game so everybody's traveling every day for three straight days? That's just not a tenable situation. Right. If you go two home games and then a deciding game three on the road, well, that's not a big enough penalty for, for not winning the top wild card. You start with one game on the road, and then the best, better team gets the last two games at home. Well, in a three-game series, if you lose game one, you have a serious mountain. So this was the best solution, was just putting all three in one stadium. You know, you mentioned about the logistics of being on the road in the postseason. Of course, I, I remember when you guys won the World Series with the Marlins, and you took the entire front office and families. I, I mean, I, I remember the celebration when the Marlins won at Yankee Stadium. You had a had a had a ton of people there. Maybe maybe tell our listeners just what's involved in the logistics of traveling in the postseason. 
it, it, you have to be a little bit right, Russ, like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind, right? You have a board in front of you. There's a million things going on, a million numbers in your head, and you've got two people talking to you who may or may not be there because you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out not just logistically getting the team, and I'm talking about the, tr- the normal traveling party where it's the players plus the training staff and the coaches, et cetera, but you're taking care of families now in a way that you don't do during the regular season because the players want their families with them on the road. You're dealing with extra rooms. You're dealing with extra planes because you don't want the families to travel commercially because then the players worry about it. So during the postseason, I was far more player-friendly than during any regular season Mm -hmm. because the stakes were so high. During the regular season, I'm not as concerned when a player family wants to go on the road. I say to the player, get them a plane ticket and get them a a ride to the hotel, figure it all out. But come postseason, we're doing all that for the players and the players' families. Then, on top of that, we are taking all of the ticket requests from everyone in the South Florida community and beyond, and we're trying to place them in road games with the allocation we get from the home team. So you get these strips of tickets from a home team when you're the road team, and you literally go on, me and Bill Beck, who was the traveling secretary at the time, we went on a huge table, like a dining room table at a suite in a hotel, and we were charting out where we were going to sit different VIPs, players, players' families, player girlfriends, sometimes both. So we're figuring out where everyone is sitting. And then on top of that, we're trying to figure out how to get the employees to a game six because our view was this could be once in a lifetime. We want to share it with the people who work so hard behind the scenes who don't get much credit and don't get paid much money. So we were organizing an employee trip. Mm-hmm. And so we had tons of committees that we formed in the front office to deal with all the different logistics that were going on. And it's funny when first pitch comes, that's the most relaxing part when you're on the road, because then you can just watch the game right. and everything's done. Home games during the playoffs are horrific. You're dealing with major league baseball. You're dealing with what they want for first pitches, what they want for the anthems, figuring out what, what the food situation is. You're worried about the commissioner and all of his people. So I did not enjoy any of the home games in 03, and it's something I look back on with great regret. Now, uh, we saw Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run here in Toronto, and, of, of course, we've, we've talked to you often this year about Aaron Judge and his imminent free agency and his value and things of, things of that nature. But, you know, I, I, I got to thinking about you and Jeffrey and – as owners, you know, you gave Vladimir Guerrero Sr. a multi-year contract in Montreal. You gave Giancarlo Stanton a contract with the Marlins. I know you guys are really close to Jose Fernandez. You know, it, it seems to me that, yeah, ownership ownership is a business, but there there is kind of a heartstring element to it as well, isn't there? And, I, and I, I'm just wondering, if you're the Steinbrenners, I, I understand it's going to cost you a lot of money, David, how you you've got a guy who was perfect for New York. You you don't have you're never going to have to worry about Aaron Judge showing up in page six unless it, unless it's he and he and his wife doing a charity function. Um, he's going to set a record, or you know he's he's up there chasing a a hallowed record. All the stuff about Aaron Judge isn't there. Isn't there a value to the Yankees beyond simply his war? I, I guess is what I'm saying when we're looking at a. At, at a contract and do owners think like that like what if a guy is your favorite player i mean if i'm an owner if a guy's my favorite player i might say to my general manager i really like the guy give him an extra three million a year mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so owners who do that, and I'm familiar with that type of owner, that generally leads to losing. Okay. Right? If you look at what makes Tampa so good, they're completely unemotional. They trade players a year too early, not a year too late. They don't sign big free agents mostly because they can't, but when they do, they do it in a reasonable way. But let me ask you this, as you sort of ponder the Yankees without judge, what about the Cardinals when they let Pujols go, or the Braves this year when they let Freeman go coming off a World Series victory? The Braves have continued on, and they are going to win 100 games, and they are in position to defend their World Series championship. The Angels, who signed Pujols, regretted it from almost the minute they signed him. So you're talking about Aaron Judge, who's not 27. He's not Otani's age. Mm -hmm. He's going to be playing 31 next year. If he comes in and demands a 10-year Pujols-like deal, you can't do it. If he wants $44 million a year for 10 years, which would be the biggest notional contract and the biggest number per year, maybe he deserves it. But 44 by 10 for 440, you just can't. You have to say no because if you don't, you're going to rue the day the same way the Angels did. So what I would do if I'm the Yankees is I would offer him a ton of money per year but on a shortened contract. So they offered him 213 He turned it down. I'd offer him 300 for six. And that's going to be an overpay in year five and six for sure. But I think that that properly reflects both his age and the magical season he's had. But also, let's not forget, guys, he hasn't exactly performed injury-free through his free agency. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not willing to say that it's a guarantee that he's going to play 162 a year for the next five years. He hasn't shown that. So you have to be really, really careful. So I would not go more than six years for him, and I think he's going to want eight, and it's going to be interesting to see whether another team steps up and even does seven. Some players like years. Some people like money. We'll see. Yeah, I was going to ask you, if not the Yankees, who? Cubs, Giants, who else? Uh, There are several teams with the bandwidth to sign him. The Red Sox could sign him. The Giants, you're right about the Cubs. The Mets could sign him. If I'm Steve Cohn, I want to do a little uh, right to the Steinbrenner's face, right? I want to win the World Series. I want the Yankees not even to make it, and then I want to sign Aaron Judge. I want to do everything I can to stop being the stepsister in the New York area. And to do that, you got to get him where it hurts. And it would be unprecedented, magical, right, if the Mets would take that sort of free agent away from the Yankees. And there's a way to do it, right? The way we signed Stanton is I just said to him, in the in the a suite of a hotel, how many years and how many hundreds? Just ask for the moon, and I'm telling you right now, we're going to say yes because we're desperate. What happens? And then he said 325 for 13. I said we got a deal, but let's pretend we don't for an hour so the owner doesn't fire me. So, <laughs> we, um, and that's pretty much what we did. We sort of danced around. We were at nine years, and seven years, and ten years, and then all of a sudden, hey, how about 13? Hey, that sounds good. All right, do you want to order room service? That's pretty much what happened. But uh, imagine if Aaron Judge got approached by Steve Cohn, not by anyone else, but by Steve Cohn, and said, hey, Aaron, just give me the number. Tell me what it is. Well, 500 for 10. Okay, I'll do it. He will be a mess. David, I think about all this money being spent, and and I I think about the the three guys for the Blue Jays, Manoa, Bichette, and Vladdy. Do they have to sign one of those three in the offseason, or is that a bad look, or is that good business? I think that he's earned the right. Shapiro has earned the right and the trust from you. I hope that uh, they don't need to sign players the way we did to try to earn that trust or that love from our fan base and the media. Yeah. I think that 
that they've earned that and they don't need to sign players to, sh- to, to prove that. And I think you have to trust the decisions they make are the right ones. I'll tell you right now, they're not going to sign all three. It makes zero sense to do that, and, and they, they always make sense. And it's not like they don't sign free agent pitching because they do. As you know, I think the bigger concern they have in this offseason is trying to figure out whether or not they should release Berrios or if this one year was an anomaly because really? that sign is really, really hurting them. Well, okay. You know, oh. it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. I yeah. mean, th- this is a guy that is not having a good year. That's, that's apparent. Uh, but, you know, he, is, he, he does give you innings, and uh, the track record would suggest he may not be a number one, but he's, he is a number two. Do you, you, you really think that contract would be that, that difficult for this team? He's pitching like a number eight, not a number two. Well, maybe number seven. And they're paying him like a two, and that's the problem. To be good, you have to pay like a seven and have them pitch like a two not pay like a two and have him pitch like a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... So, you know, I, a, a, a team like Toronto could stomach a release like that. A team like the Marlins would not be able to. You have to hope that the year is going to just be an anomaly and then he's going to come back. But if the baseball people in Toronto say, you know what, there, there's something that happened here and we don't see it changing, uh, they'll bring him back for spring training for sure. They'll let him go, but they will not let him go another full season at this sort of uh, performance. It just, it, it, they cannot do that. You think it's a slam dunk they release Yusei Kikuchi? Uh, slam, I would, first of all, I would never use the word slam dunk because there's too many other factors involved. So yeah. I would say that that's another example where uh, it has not worked the way they thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's like in the clubhouse. So as an example, if you've got performance like theirs and they're bad and, and sort of cancers in the clubhouse, which is, is such an unfortunate expression, they're just bad in the clubhouse yeah. and they're bringing other players down, then you talk about a quick release. But if they're good in the clubhouse and they're not hanging their head and you feel like that this is just a year that they can forget about and move on, you're going to give them another shot. Mm. First time we've had you on since Don Mattingly and the Marlins have announced that uh, that they're their parting ways. One, are you surprised mm-hmm. by that? And two, what, what are the Marlins right now? What do they need in terms of a manager? So Donnie is a manager who brings gravitas to the position. He gets the respect of young players and veterans alike. He is very much, uh, he loves the hitting side of managing because uh, he's, he's really a hitter. That's, his, that's what he does. He, he manages the game well. But he's, he's lasted in Florida probably a bit longer than, than he should have because there has to be a change made. And I've spoken to Donnie about this, right? They're just The players are not good enough, but they can't get rid of all the players, so they've got to figure out what to do next. So with this contract expiring, they let Donnie resign and say he didn't want to come back. But at the end of the day, there was going to be a change made. And what the Marlins need to find, it has nothing to do with the manager. They need to find a general manager. They need to find scouts and people in development who know what they're doing, and they need to identify players and develop those players better. And they can no longer blame it on me and Jeffrey. We've been gone for five years. It's, it's, mm-hmm. and so now they're realizing that the new owner, Bruce Sherman, is saying, my God, Jared Jeter said all we had to do was blame Samson. Everything would be good, but we can't do that anymore. Now i got to figure out what to do. So he went public saying we're going to look at everything, our whole processes, and that's owners speak for, man, do we stink and we got to figure out how. So I, the Marlins, to me, are an example of a team that tries to rebuild and can't and then has to do it again without ever having the benefit of winning from that rebuild. Yeah, how, how do you, I mean, tries to rebuild and can't? 
How do you not rebuild? How do you fail in a rebuild? Uh, you, you project hitters and pitchers to be a certain way before arbitration. They don't end up that way. So when you get young players and you rebuild with prospects, what you're hoping is, is you get number two starter performance by paying for a number 12 starter, right? right? So that's, that's the key is young players, and then you complement them with free agents and trades when you're ready to win. And what the Marlins did is they signed Soler and Garcia. They overpaid both of them because they thought they thought it was time to win, but it was really just delusional thinking. And it ended up being hurtful to the team, not helpful. And now they've got these long-term deals with non-productive players, with other position players who are young and not effective, with an aging pitching staff. And when I mean aging, I mean they're entering arbitration. They're entering the time when they start getting paid more and so if you are getting number two starter performance while paying for a number two starter, that's not a huge benefit to a low revenue team. Last question before I let you run. Uh, there's a week left in the regular season. Do you think baseball is happy with what the expanded playoff format has delivered? Or has it I been a, it. <laughs> a little less, uh, a little less uh, maybe drama than, than anticipated? It's a total malrev for baseball what's going on this year a total nightmare right Mm -hmm. so with expanded playoffs you are you are hoping that closing day which is next wednesday would be this unbelievable day with teams fighting in cities all over america in september saying my team's in it my team's in it meanwhile the american league has had zero tension it's just a matter of where the teams will be in the wild card not if they'll be in the wild card the national league you have a great pennant race with atlanta and new york but they're both in the playoffs so all you're trying to do is avoid playing the Dodgers in the second round and waiting for the third round. And that's really the only exciting part. And then you've got the Phillies and the Brewers having sort of an exciting run, except neither team can win a game. Mm-hmm. So it's like a race to the bottom of who's going to be the third wildcard team and, and get crushed by, you know, in the, in, the, in the wildcard round. So I would say that you can't judge expanded playoffs in one season. So MLB is not saying it's a failure but they're acknowledging that this year did not bring the excitement they had hoped david we're going to let you scoot yeah. appreciate you doing this thanks so much great stuff take care have a good weekend bye yeah. david sampson host of nothing personal the podcast wow. with david sampson release uh he said mlb analyst with cbs sports hq i don't i can't i can't see them i can't either i mean i i, I mean i you know i've talked enough about Barrios. i just I just I, I I trust in the guy's stuff, and as I said, I trust in the guy's stuff, and I trust in the athlete, and I think he'll figure it out. And really, what I want from him is innings. If he gives me innings, I think he'll be An good occasional enough. Occasional six scoreless. Too. I think he'll be good enough. That'll help. I think he'll be good enough. But I've also said that when you give out a six-year con- contract or a seven-year contract, just assume assume that the last two years are probably not going to be any good. Assume that there will be a year where the dude will be hurt because he's a pitcher. And the other thing is assume that there's a pretty good chance if you're the general manager, you're not going to be around at the end of the deal. Anyhow. There you go. I honestly, that's, that's well said, you know, it, yeah. general managers give out, give out eight year contracts. And mm-hmm. I mean, there isn't a general manager out there who doesn't want to keep his job for eight years. There isn't a general manager out there who thinks he's going to have his job for eight years. Yeah. It's just, that's why I've always, anytime I see a GM sign a player to a contract and it's, you know, backloaded, I just, okay. <laughs> like, I, yeah, do the dude a favor.
Mm-hmm. Do the dude a favor. It's like old mate. Pass on the bad contract to the next guy. That's it. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, it the, the postseason Jose Barrios and the, and and the postseason will be it will be an interesting it'll be an interesting story. I think this is a thing. It's not though, a story, is it? I think this is a thing though where you you need to know the guy too. I mean, I think this. I think John and the coaching staff and everybody, they have a pretty good handle on, on Jose Barrios. Well, he tries hard. There's no and, doubt and, for that. And, you know, it's entirely possible. It's performance that, driven. It, it's possible the guy may look at this and, and, you know, yeah, Ross Stripling has been a better starting pitcher than uh, I you I'll be better next to. year. In the meantime, I'll be a good teammate. It's possible. Well, i got a big bank account. In recognition of the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, radio stations across the country are coming together across Canada to amplify, elevate, listen to, and learn from Indigenous voices with a Day to Listen 2022. This is in partnership with the Gord Downey and Chani Wenjack Fund. Listeners can tune in to radio stations across the country, including our music stations, CHFI 98.1 and KISS 92.5. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. today, Listeners will will hear stories from Indigenous leaders, residential school survivors, musicians, and teachers. For more information, you can contact a day to listen dot ca four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. So Jays are in the postseason. Who do you want to see them face? Who are you scared to see them face? What are your concerns? with the Blue Jays going into the postseason. We will take your calls, your text as well, 590-590 is the text line. DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits. We'll put it all together and deliver it to you in the next half hour. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. All right, 416 How's your nap? 590 star 590. Yeah, I caught a quick nap yeah, while we yeah, were yeah. during the break. I mean, you know, got to be done every now and then. Like mid-sentence. That's not true. <laughs> hey. No, that's not true. To, to. No, no, it's not like I don't have that uh, where I, you know, where I fall asleep. At this. I mean, I can sleep anywhere at any time. But I can't. I have to, you know, like I could. I got to be focused. I could sleep here. Talk myself into it. I could sleep here and go to sleep in a couple of minutes. I, if I want to sleep, I can sleep uh, anywhere. I know. I just saw it. I was, I was, it wasn't necessarily sleeping. I was more or less awake. Maybe it could have, you think. Uh. Just out of interest's sake, do you think maybe it was the scintillating conversation in the room between you and Bafo that Absolutely. put me to sleep? No. It's all you. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I understand uh, the uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel had the dude on from Toronto that, uh, I mean, we got, we got Frankie Lasagna, the restaurant owner, right? <clears throat> and we have this other guy. I can't find his name now. Mulligan's his last name. I want a mulligan. Give me a mulligan. Anyhow. <clears throat> mm. He was on Jimmy Kimmel, and I guess now he's saying that Frankie Lasagna's glove hit his glove, and I don't know. Uh-oh. But anyhow. 
flip the glove over. See it. Everything I've heard since Aaron Judge hit that home run, mm -hmm. like I don't know either of these guys. I'm sure they're great human beings and wonderful people. But don't everything I've heard it. since don't then makes it. me so happy the ball ended up in the bullpen. I'm sorry. It just does. You said it. Like, seriously. I told you not to. I I'm just saying. You said it. Seriously, I told that Sometimes if you're thinking it, don't say it. It's just... Yeah. Oh, boy. Like, if it's a kid that caught it, then I or dropped great. it. Okay, then I'm up in arms. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awful. Give it to the kid. I'm with you on that. Give it to the kid. That would never happen. I'd be fighting over that. Anyhow. You said it. Well, it's true. Oh, it's like that, 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 whatever that. It's okay not to say it sometimes. Zach Hempel guy or whatever. You know, the, yeah, anyhow. But it's true. We don't. Anyway, we don't have to, like, run around and find out how much dude wants for the ball or if he's going to give it away. Let's or... start with three. Tell you that. Anyhow. Ah, mm. uh, Barker's back leg bits. Barker's back leg bits. DMs are open. 416-870-0590, star 591-888-666-0590. If you want to call us, Paul in Hastings. Now, Paul, I think you may be of the, uh, you may be of the, you may be of the mindset that maybe we're kind of, you know, all this stuff about talking, talking about home field and who we're facing and all that, that maybe we're overthinking this a bit and we should just face who you're going to face, right? Uh, yeah, you know, like uh, they're a good team. And as an armchair critic, when I sit back and just watch them play, it's like they don't bunt. They're afraid to take away a bat. Like when Vladdy's not doing well, um, ex do something unexpected. Yeah. Even though the guy's a great hitter, it's like – Teams they play, they know they're not going to bunt. Yeah, I don't. That, thanks for the call, Paul. I don't. Here's the thing. I mean, I don't get the whole. First of all, I'm never asking Vladdy to bunt. No chance. There's a couple things we know. Guys can't. I mean, we can bang our head against the wall all we want. There are a lot of guys who can't bunt. First of all. Secondly, if you haven't, bunting's if you haven't hard. done a lot, bunting's hard. It's not easy. You know. Yeah. You, you know. You never practice that. Exactly. And it's really hard. And it's really hard. It's and, not easy to do. And pitchers throw not hard. high school. Yeah, it's not. To you. Yeah, it's not like you're bunting. No. So those two things. But let's just. It's not done anymore. It's it's just not. So when we talk about you know element of surprise, guys doing stuff like I'm on board with the idea of if they're shifting every now and then. And I know you, it's not easy to do. But, yeah, try to roll one down there. I mean, there's stuff you can do. And in the playoffs, yes, quite often you see that, right? Somebody makes a play and it's, 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 it's out of character or it's, it's a little outside the box and, and it's great. But here's the bottom line. And the reason the other teams, a lot of teams don't bunt is that there are numbers out there that tell you that giving, out, giving up and out is not a good thing. Right? Never. There just is. And that's the way people are wired. That's the way people are wired. Okay, who who would you bunt in the lineup? There's nobody in this. Springer? No. Bo? No. Vladdy? No. Kirk? Uh, well, 
<laughs> I laughed. Kirk. No. Uh, Chapman. Maybe. Not a chance. <laughs> Teoscar. Definitely not. Throw Lourdes in there. No. Danny Jansen. Oh, God, no. He tried. Yeah. How'd it look? Mm-hmm. Santiago Espinal. Tried. Didn't How'd look, it look good. Didn't look good. Bradley Zimmer. <laughs> I mean, he ain't hitting his weight. Yeah. Have you ever seen him try and bunt? I haven't never seen him try to swing the bat, to be honest, since he's been here. So, Have I named everybody? JBJ. He might be the one guy who tries to bump for a single, but does the job that everybody wants him yeah. to do. That one I'll give you. Now, they're, they're, you're right. And, and you know, because I had people say, well, you guys talk about how, you know, John Schneider will use Espinal, put the hit and run with Espinal on the plate. Why can't he bunt? It's not the same. It's not the same thing. It's just not the same thing. And I, there isn't a day that goes by where there isn't, where, where somebody on social media in the middle of the game said, why don't they bunt the guy over? Why don't they bunt him over and drive him in? Because it's easier to drive him in from second. There are numbers out there that say it isn't necessarily easy. And, and more importantly, guys don't want to give up outs. And here's the other thing. If you're a ball player and you're in arbitration, if your agent stands up in, a me, in an arbitration hearing and says, yeah, but my guy dropped 30 sacrifice bunts last year, you're going to get laughed out of the building. Mm. People don't do it because it doesn't pay. And because players would rather or teams would rather take a risk on what happens when a dude swings away and puts the ball in play. They'll trade the possibility of a double play for a double. They will. And you know what? I would too. Now, I've talked about this. Yeah. There are times in games where it does make sense to bunt the guy over. No question. The, the, but I've got to have a guy who can do it at the plate. That's the thing. You may have a perfect scenario, and that's the thing about baseball. You may have a scenario that cries for a hit and run. But if the guy at the plate isn't, can't make it work, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's the you. problem with one of the things about offensive strategy in baseball, and that more than any other sport, it's one dude. And if he can't do it, you can't put the play on. Mm-hmm. It's it's that simple. So, yeah, I, I uh, the Jays' ability to win in the postseason, their ability to bunt isn't necessarily going to be the determining factor, I wouldn't think. Jim and Hamilton. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Jim. Uh, I'm as quick to criticize Ross Atkins as quick as anybody else, but where would this team have been if for you – and Kikuchi actually panned out like they thought they were. But specific question for mm-hmm. Kevin. Mm-hmm. Do you think we need to extend the baseball season an extra two months? Because it seems like it takes some guys six months before they get into a groove. <laughs> Realistically, how long should it take for a professional baseball player to get onto a hit streak or to be in a groove for an entire season? Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, it's a great call. Look, I think that's very individual. You know, a lot of guys don't like weather early in seasons. A lot of guys have long swings. I had a long swing. I really struggled early in the season, um, you know, uh, getting the lower half connected to the upper half. It's like a guy like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He has long limbs. It's very hard for him some of the time to keep all those limbs close together to where the barrel has some snap to it. It's not out and around. You know, his bat uh, speed is a little bit quicker because of that fact. So I think that's a very individual thing. 
how long should it take? I've always been said or taught or, or had conversations with really good hitters about that hundred at bat mark is where where you're starting to get everything sort of falling in place. You've seen enough of the breaking ball. You've seen enough of the fastball. Uh, you've seen enough of the secondary pitches to be able to be in that athletic position to be able to throw your hands at a strike. A strike is the big answer there, right? Is is It's one thing to go up and have a good swing. It's another thing to have a good swing and swing at your pitch. I think that 100 at bat mark, you sort of mesh the two together and you become the hitter you want to become. Rod Carew used to always tell me, because he would we would see guys at the beginning of the season hitting like 480. And he would always look right at me and say, if you're a 260 hitter at the end of the year, you'll end up hitting 260. Normally that's the case, right? It's a season is so up and down when it comes to how you feel and how you're getting thrown. And ask Vladdy. Like Vladdy's been thrown different ways. You know, the ball down's giving him trouble. The organization's trying to help him hit that ball, which for me is silly. I've always said that and I'll continue to say that. His strength's not down. Give him that. If they threw you three of them, tip your hat. But I bet you they can't. I just, it's, you know, it's, a, again, that, that's very individual, but a lot of the people that I've talked to say about that 100, 100 at bat mark is where you should be where you're you. Hmm? Yeah, it, you're right, guys. I mean, look, there are there are guys. That's a great question. And, they, and the they, extra two months, uh, that's going to cost a lot of money for owners. I, I would think that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, no. And, and uh, you know, you really don't want to intrude into football season. I mean, there's, yeah, it, it, what I would like baseball to think about and I've said this time and again, I would like baseball to really think about spring training. I think if there's, there's shorten, shorten. Yeah, it's too long. Over the years, I've gone from talk to guys who said they like spring training the way it was. They needed spring training to get in shape. Gradually, it got to the point where more and more guys are saying, you know, I don't know if I really need all those games because I'm generally, yeah. I don't play, guys don't play I, themselves into shape anymore. If If it's up to me, I think I think you need you take a month. You take February and you start the season okay. in March. Okay. Or I, you that's what I would do. Having no shift. Change your mind? Now all of a sudden a say a reliever change my mind about yeah, what? Yeah, well, about that about the shortened spring training. Now no. as a reliever maybe you have to use three pitches instead of two pitches. You got you got time in the off season to get ready. Hmm. You got time in the it's off all. season. We've got the because it's listen, about pitchers. Listen, let's be the, the way the things are, the way things are now with minor league complexes and everything, and guys, yeah, Kevin Gossman, how many stars did he make at the minor league complex this year? Wasn't Gossman made a lot? Like, you don't need a month of, of fake baseball games to get ready for the season. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Yeah. Two weeks, is on. two weeks in the facility. Two weeks of games. Let's go. Let's get the season started in March. I understand weather's an issue. And then when the season starts, there'll be pitch counts and everybody will be mad. You know that. Michael in Toronto, you want to compare this year's squad to 2015-2016? That's correct. I think that those two teams in the earlier needed not rebuilding, but just tweaking. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. I I don't think... Getting, not getting any kind of pitching is very evident that the farm system, the Blue Jays alleged to have a great one, is not a, not correct. Yeah, thanks thanks for the call. I mean, uh, the you know, the pitching out of the farm system, I mean, they did give, deliver Alec Manoa. I think it's less the pitching out of the farm system uh, than, frankly, Everybody it is players. the players out of the farm system. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, 
Gabriel Moreno was the top prospect in baseball. He's not anymore. Um, didn't hit any home runs this year. No, I, I, well, I mean, he had like I, two or three, but yeah, I mean, I've said this. I, I just think that the Jays minor league system lacks the depth that, and and I think that's reflected by what was done or what wasn't done at the trade deadline. It, it lacks the depth of other organizations. Now, in fairness to the Blue Jays, they've traded a lot, traded out of the farm system mm-hmm. to get Matt Chapman. Mm-hmm. Any of you out there don't like Matt Chapman? You'd rather have Craig Kevin Biggio as your third baseman every day? Don't think so. Um, you know, they, they've moved pieces out to address issues. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it, it's, I mean, I've said this. You look at the, and I hate saying look at the Rays, but you look at the Rays. They bring up a guy who was their over double and A over and, over and triple and over A again. MVP the last two years, Jonathan Aranda, and he's leading off in big games. They do it over and over again. They bring mm-hmm. guys up who can play. They bring pitchers up who can play. Wow. The Jays don't have. Think mm-hmm. about this. Think about this. The Jays went out and got Bradley Zimmer twice. Yeah. Because they didn't have somebody with that skill set in their organization or somebody they were comfortable enough bringing up to the major leagues. Think about that. They had to go out and acquire the last guy on their roster twice. You should have those guys coming out of your you-know-what in the minor league system. You nailed it. Like that's and, – and, and yes, the, the pitching – hey, all we heard about for the past two years was Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay. Thomas Hatch and Anthony – these guys are uh, – where are they? This organization clearly has no confidence in them. I mean, the, the failure that I see in this organization, the big failure has mainly been that they just – they don't have any Quality. depth. They don't have anybody in the minor league system they've been able to bring up and contribute. Mm-hmm. Like right now, they don't have a guy. Now, Ricky Tiedemann, maybe if Ricky Tiedemann joins this team, nice. think about this. If Ricky Tiedemann makes this team next year, Ooh. and if he's as good as everybody says he is, mm-hmm. if he's a left-handed Manoa or something even close to that. Kidding me. That means that in three years, a span of three years, the organization's produced a Manoa, and then, uh, I mean, that's pretty good. That. So, so this this could just be a down phase. It could be right now that the organization looks thin because they've traded out a lot of guys to fill in these other positions. But, um, yeah, the the and and you know, the caller's point: the difference between this team in 2015 and 2016. The core of this team is going to be around. You couldn't say that in 2015. No. 2015, we all knew. Well, most of us knew David Price wasn't coming back. No. I mean, a few people out there were silly Brent enough Cecil. to think that he was going to come back. He oh. would, you know, David Price wasn't coming back. Troy Tulowitzki was nearing the end. Yeah. Josh Donaldson was at the point where he was going to start to get hurt. Mm. Russell Martin was nearing the end. Jose Batista was nearing the end. Edwin was not nearing the end. But... My point is 2015, 2016 were a bunch of late bloomers that mm-hmm. made the most out of a small window of opportunity. This is different because when 2015 was over, I don't think too many people looked at that team and said, boy, they're going to be better next year. Nobody. The end of this year, regardless of what this team does, people will look at this team and go, yeah, add, you know, add another- this, add that. You kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. So that is the major difference, I think. Uh, the ma- major difference, I think, between um, between this this team, where this team is, where this organization is now, 
in the 2015-2016 Jays. And I really think that's why people really want to see this group have success. And I keep saying this, it gets back to the Leafs. They don't want the Leafs. The last thing they want is Vladdy and Bo to be one and done four years in a row Mm -hmm. the way the Leafs are one and done. Because this whole sports market, you know, the context is provided by the Leafs. That's why I laughed when I saw Austin Matthews throw out the first pitch to Alec Manoa. I'm thinking, God, I hope he doesn't catch anything. You know, I hope he doesn't catch blue and white disease catching the ball. Right? (laughs) No. I didn't think that. Didn't you? No. (laughs) You're on your own. Uh, Let's squeeze in a couple of back leg bits. Mitch from Barry, Kev. When pitchers see a lack of effort from position players, how does it affect them? It doesn't. You have your job. I have mine. It doesn't. I know everybody wants to think that that clubhouse is a team game. No, it's not. It's an individual game. When that individual is doing their job to its fullest, their team looks like the Blue Jays are starting to look. So it doesn't. They they might chap them because they might be on the mound and a guy or something doesn't hustle after a ball or something, and then you might have an issue down in the tunnel where nobody can see it. But when it comes to performance, it doesn't do anything. You're, You're performing at the highest level to support your family. And then it's a team thing. Hmm. I like that. Um, A good question. Blue Jay Girl 5. Lots of talk about the loud fans and how the opposing team must find it difficult and hard to focus. So what about the home team? This is okay. Now, this is interesting, Chris, and thanks for for the question because someone else pointed this out. We've seen Jordan Romano have difficulty with with Hmm. Pitchcom a couple of times. Sure. Now... We're going to see Pitchcom in the playoffs. And a a couple of people said, you know, 50,000 people at the Rogers Center. It's going to be noisy. Should there be some sort of a concern about that? And, and, you know, I answered, replied to somebody, well, then you just go back to hands. You go back to the old-fashioned I think the difference is, now I had a lot of, I've never been in a playoff hunt like this, but I have had a lot of big crowds in winter ball. And it's very hard to hear yourself think. I mean, calling ball pop-ups, there's just you don't like yeah. you just, you're you're basically like kicking at a guy just so he's not close to you. I, I I think the difference is in those situations is the crowd that you know is rooting for you and not against you. That's the difference. Like there is a big difference when you go on the road and you're being booed or yelled and screamed at than where you're being cheered for. That's the difference. The little Jordan Romano having to worry about is. Pitch calm, that's not an issue. Like, he'll just put his hand over his ear. They'll figure it out. If It's like Jeff said. If they have to put the fingers down, they'll do that, or they'll call timeout, which nobody likes to see. Yeah. And he'll run out there, and they'll do something, whatever they have to do. But the difference is it's the it's the boo factor. It is the – Johnny Cueto dropping the ball. And Garrett famously Cole. in Pittsburgh, Garrett, Garrett Cole. Cole. Getting called for a balk. And- yeah, like that's – so that that for me is the difference. I don't think it has anything to do with the, with the you know, the pitch calm or – they'll figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to get really loud, though, when the opposing pitcher's in oh, trouble. Just go just crazy. Go nuts. Yeah. Go crazy. Go nuts. I was going to say find a garbage can and bang it, but uh, uh. it's probably not the case. Uh, listen, we appreciate all your texts, all Absolutely. your calls today. Uh, some great calls, some great texts. A reminder that uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple Spotify, wherever, leave a review, subscribe, download, all that good stuff. 
We'll be doing Blue Jays talk on Sunday following the Jays game, and we will be back here on Monday, as per usual, from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fans, Sportsnet 360. For all of us here at Blair and Barker, have a great weekend.